This is the spirit of leading. Your guide to becoming empowered to lead. Competent, confident, and connected. Someone who can and will make a difference in your workplace, your family, and your community. Many people talk about what motivates them, but not very often do you hear anyone explain what motivation actually is. Hello, I'm Garland McWaters, and in this episode of The Spirit of Leading, we're actually going to delve into the dynamics of motivation to better understand how it works and why. But let's begin this way. I want to ask you a simple question that I want you to think in your mind what your answer to this question would be. And the question is, what turns you on? That's right. What turns you on? I want you to think of something that you love to do so much. You get so much enjoyment, so much pleasure, so much satisfaction out of doing it that you just can't wait to do it again. That's what turns you on. Whenever I ask that question in my empowerment leadership labs, of course, people laugh about that a little bit, and I say something we can talk about in public, and uh, they roll their eyes, and then I start getting the answers to their question of what turns you on. They talk about things like this, things about uh, outdoor activities they enjoy, such as working in the yard or uh, being out on the lake or water skiing or going hiking or camping or uh, uh, planting their garden and and watching it grow. uh, being out in nature with their with their pets, uh, hunting, on and on and on. They'll talk about things like uh, like going to the to concerts or to music events or going to the library or or being with their friends, working in their church, working in their community, doing all kinds of wonderful creative things that they really enjoy doing. And so after I listen to all these great wonderful examples, I'll ask them something like this. I'll say, well. Does anyone have to pay you to do that? And, of course, they say, no, no one pays us to do that. Of course, it would be nice to get paid to do something that you love, right? And then I'll ask how many people actually spend a lot of money doing the things that they love to do, and almost all of them will raise their hands. And so when you really get down to it, the paycheck you get at work is not itself what turns you on about work. It's something else probably. But we're motivated by something that we truly enjoy. Everyone is actually motivated. They get some kind of enjoyment or satisfaction. It makes them feel good. And that's what I mean by motivation. Well, uh, we talk about being motivated, but there's, but what's behind that? When we really peel back the dynamics of motivation, what do we find? Because everybody, like I said, talks about it and things that motivate them without really fully understanding what's behind this energy. I happen to believe that motivation is a natural force that will manifest itself under certain conditions. In other words, I cannot artificially create it. I just don't snap my fingers and there's motivation there. Uh, Something has to happen for motivation to manifest itself. I tried to think of another phenomenon that might be used as an analogy to describe motivation, a force that manifests itself. And it just dawned on me one day that the lift 
factor of an airplane is one of those. I'll ask people, well, what causes an airplane to fly? And they'll talk about things like the thrust of the airplane, uh, the, what, what speeds it through the air, all kinds of things like that. But when they come up with this idea of lift and the, th- and the low pressure area over the top of the wing, I'll say, well, what is that? And they'll kind of look at me like, well, what do you mean, what is that? I say, well, describe kind of what that phenomenon is. And uh, what it actually is, it's a vacuum. And there's a simple principle in, late, in nature that says, uh, says nature abhors a vac- vacuum. And what it will do when a vacuum presents itself, it will try to fill itself with the, with the closest object, which is, happens to be, in, an, in the case of an airplane, the wing. And so the wing lifts up, tries to lift up into that vacuum, or the vacuum lifts that wing up, and that's how the plane gets off the ground. You can't see it, but it's there. Motivation is something that you can't see, but we see the manifestation of it. Uh, You can't see lift, but you see the manifestation of it. And you just can't paint the top of the wing with lift. You just cannot put it on there. You have to create the environment in which it happens. And it happens so often, and it's so natural, and it's so certain in in the conditions of our atmosphere that we literally will bet our lives on it. It works every time the way it's supposed to work when the right conditions are there. Well, motivation is a force kind of like that. Motivation is that something else. It's that the reason behind what we do, the catalyst that provokes it. Uh, we can look for the external sources of motivation, and uh, and we can say, well, what those are. Like we're like uh, I'm 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 camping or I'm hunting or I'm water skiing or snow skiing or enjoying my family or whatever that might be. Those are external things, but those are the catalysts for the real energy itself to want to engage. It's the unseen thing that's really there that triggers the action that we actually see as a result so that it manifests itself in what we do. And it has to be from an internal place, from an internal state. Uh, Jillian Michaels, who is a celebrity personal fitness trainer, and, and you might have seen her on The Biggest Loser, said, you know, you can look for external sources of motivation uh, that can catalyze a change, but it won't actually sustain one. That sustaining has to come from an internal desire. There's something else you get from the, from the results that's the real energy that causes you want us to sustain what you're doing. Well, there's a lot about motivation that we want to explore, but there's something going on in us that we ought to be talking about too. And it's not, I guess, a direct relation to motivation, but it's a part of our humanness that is uh, going to be is going to be affected. And this simply is uh, the autonomic nervous system. I call it the happy juices and the stress juices. This autonomic nervous system is part of the central nervous system that just regulates some of our body functions in response to stress. It helps us to adapt to the change and react to that stress. And so it can affect our blood pressure, heart rate, digestion, breathing, muscle reaction, thinking, and all of those other kinds of things. And there's sort of two branches or two parts to this autonomic nervous system that's important for us to understand. There's the parasympathetic nervous system, and then there's the sympathetic nervous system. So first of all, let's look at the parasympathetic nervous system. This is the, this is the part of it that relaxes us and returns us to a state of renewal after we've been in some kind of stress. There are chemicals that are at work to that express itself whenever the parasympathetic nervous system is at work. And in women, it's oxytocin. And in uh, men, it's vasopressin. And these uh, reduce blood pressure. They restore our immune system. They give us a sense of well-being. They make us happy and opti- optimistic and elated. They, they show up when good things are happening to us, happening to us, and our brain 
tells our system good things are happening to us, release these chemicals and bring back this sense of renewal and so forth. So keep that in mind. Now, the, the opposite of that is, uh, of motivation is, uh, is something else, and it's going to be coercion. And before I get into that, I want to talk just a little bit about what the, the motive, in my mind, what motivation actually is. Motivation is moving towards something that we find uh, rewarding or wholesome or helpful to us. We are energized to move toward the things that make us feel good and happy and, and well. And so these happy juices get released, and we like that, so we like to keep doing that on and on. That's the kind of stuff that turns us on. And so motivation, this energy, is that things that moves us toward the things that we find valuable to us for whatever reason that is. And so keep that in mind. Motivation, a positive energy that moves us in the direction of or toward the things that make us feel good and that we love to do. And those are the things we were describing just a little bit earlier. The opposite of that, then, is not something we call negative motivation, but it's, it's actually called fear. Uh, the opposite of motivation, in the way I think about it, is more coercive. It's fear-based, because that's what happens in our system whenever we, we see there's some sort of fear or some imminent danger. Our body goes, oh, problem here, danger, warning, and then it throws these other chemicals uh, into action that causes us to run away from that thing that might be uh, might be a threat to us. While motivation is always positive, this coercive fear is, in a sense, always negative. And fear uh, causes us to run away from that which is threatening us. It turns on the stress juices. The sympathetic nervous system gets busy. It elevates our blood pressure. Our heart rate goes up. Our breathing gets faster. Our muscles go into action. And all of the non-essential circuits to survival are just shut down. Now, the chemicals that sort of run this system are epinephrine, norepinephrine, also uh, corticosteroids uh, are called into action, and all of those things uh, get busy, and they cause us to run away from that which might be causing us to, to, be, to feel stressed or in danger. Now, we need both of those. We need both of those systems in place to survive. But here's the thing. Too much of these these stress juices, too much of these will actually wreak havoc with our immune system. They'll wreck our immune system. Uh, they inhibit our ability to think creatively and to solve problems. And if they run on and on and on, we actually get sick and bad things happen. So you get the idea? Things that motivate us move us toward happy things and things that, uh, that uh, cause fear and coerciveness move us toward these negative things. Now, we use both of those energies, and we call both of those motivation, but we're wrong about that. Only one is motivation. Only the positive forces are motivation. The other stuff is something different. The problem is we very often challenge people to use fear to create movement, and it's very seductive to do that. We want to help. If you want to make people be afraid to move them into action, say, we got to do this or else. We gotta, we're gonna, not going to survive if this happens to us. And if we, keep, uh, if we keep using that over and over and over again, it's really an illegitimate strategy because although it's a legitimate energy that's useful for us and our bodies in certain situations, but if we use it too much, too long, we get sick. Uh, we can't think. It kills our immune system. It kills our brain cells, and it's negative. Motivation is an interesting thing because motivation itself is not a gimmick. Motivation is not gimmicky. 
And so many times I hear people talk about, uh, about uh, motivation as if it were some kind of a gimmick. Uh, motivation is not an incentive you give to someone like a cap or a jacket or a ham at Christmas time. Uh, those are symbols of something, but they in themselves are not the motivating thing. It's something else that's going on there that those represent that should be a motivating factor. But if you only think those are the, that motivates, then you misunderstand motivation. You can't gimmick motivation. You know, I even have, uh, I even have uh, an issue with people who call and say, come and motivate my people. I've received calls like that before. And they'll say, well, come and give us some motivational training. Come and give us a speech to motivate our people. And, uh, you know, I guess it's probably a small point. Maybe it's a little bit nitpicky on my part. But I actually have a problem with the term motivational speaker. Because what we're really doing is uh, we're not actually motivating anyone because I can't motivate anyone. I can't create the juices in them. They have to create it for themselves. And everybody has something different, you know, that, that causes that energy for them. What we do do as, a, as, in a sense, a motivational speaker, and I'm doing, putting that in quotes, we encourage, uh, we inspire, and we help others to find what it is that really matters to them. And we try to tap that and help them tap that so that they can move forward and use it to generate their own energy to act. Find what it is in themselves that causes that lift, that causes that, 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 that action to, to, to manifest, that really moves them forward. They've got to find it for themselves, and then they can move. Then they can be, in a sense, motivated. You cannot coerce it. You cannot force it. And any time you try to do that, you're actually probably moving over into the more coercive side and that more fear-based. Be motivated. Be motivated or else is kind of what we're saying to them. You know, so, but we want to give them this lifting action, and this lifting action is going to be, in a sense, that thing that is, uh, that, that, that's the motivation energy that's, and dynamic that's at work. That's fundamental to understanding how we approach using motivational techniques or motivation in the workplace, uh, because I actually believe that people really are already motivated. Everyone has different triggers that are their impetus for being lifted into action. And very often they will find those in the workplace. There's a lot of things that people find in the workplace. Because in my leadership empowerment labs, I will also ask them, what keeps you coming back? Why do you come to work every day? What keeps you coming back outside of the paycheck? And that's when they start talking about the things that really matter to them, the challenges they face, the variety they have, the social experience they have at work, the sense of doing something important, of being competent, of feeling good about themselves. All those things are the reasons they keep coming back, the opportunity to participate, to make a difference, to have a say about the future of their organization or their workplace, to make the community a better place, to help the people that they're their customers, solving problems for their customers. Those are the things that keep them coming back. Uh, I keep asking people, well, they call me and say, come motivate our people. And I say, I think they're already motivated. And I'm wondering, you know, what's going on in the workplace that kind of dampens that or shuts that down. And that's when we have to talk about something else. There's something else that gets in the way that actually demotivates and frustrates people. Now stop and think about this. Whenever you're trying to do something and you feel very passionate about it and you want to make it happen and you just can't make it happen, it just won't happen, you, so you try something different. And then you try that and you work on that and that doesn't happen. Or you say, okay, well, I'll try something else. And you keep trying and you keep trying and still you cannot accomplish what you want to accomplish and you start to lose heart 
and you start to get frustrated and then you start to worry about not being able to perform and then you start going into stress and then you you know and the boss is saying do it do it do it make it happen make it happen make it happen and you say i don't have the resources that i need and they says well figure it out do the best you can with what you've got and so now there's there's more stress to perform and the, the the heat's on and you just can't get it done you get more and more frustrated and you get demotivated in the sense you are demotivated from your original state, which was to be motivated to accomplish something. So we ended up demotivating people and frustrating people by not letting them or helping them have the things they need to have or the things that that support them getting it done. They just can't get it done, and then that turns you off. Think about the things that turn you off, you know. Things that, that shut down the motivational emotional part that you have going into a situation like you go into a situation and you're looking forward to it and then uh, you get there and all of a sudden something happens that spoils the joy that you were about to experience or thought you were about to experience and now you're like turned off you're switched off you're now demotivated because something frustrated you from realizing what you wanted to realize Well, that's the dynamics of what's going on in motivation. So when we understand those dynamics, I think we're better equipped to use motivational, the energy of motivation in a more effective way. Because here's what happens. Uh, When I go into an organization to train or to speak, uh, I know that what I have to say while I'm there, because they've asked me, come in and motivate our people or train us in motivation or help us, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, when I go into an organization to train or to speak, I know that what I have to say or to what I have to train while I am there is not nearly as important as what the leaders do of that organization after I leave. Let me say that again. Anytime I go into an organization to speak or train and to help motivate, to make people feel competent and useful and so forth, while I'm there for a half a day or a day or maybe multiple days in some cases, I know that what I do while I'm there is not nearly as important and this doesn't have nearly as much impact as what the leaders and managers of that organization do after I leave. It's how they follow through and follow up and sustain this initial energy that's created and this optimism that's created in the training or in the presentation that is going to be sustained after that. Sustaining this performance is about keeping that lift up, keeping the motivation going by doing the things that manifest in the organization and create that kind of place. Empowered leaders know how to unleash the creative energy of this motivation that helps people to be involved and being competent and valued and community and social oriented in their workplace. All of those things are valuable in that uh, organization. So I work on what I, I work with people on what I call creating this empowering workplace, which is a highly motivational workplace. And it begins with the presumption that people are already motivated. You don't have to create the motivation. It's there. It's working for you already. This empowering workplace, as I've mentioned in other podcasts and on my blog posts, is an environment in which motivated individuals are enabled by the organization to create value for themselves and their employers by offering their creative effort in service of clear, meaningful enterprise goals and are reinforced properly for doing so. And by reinforced, I mean they're given recognition and they're paid appropriately and those kinds of things. And so it's a very natural thing to happen. Motivation is there. It's available to you. As a leader, I want to make sure 
that I am using mo the energy of motivation, the dynamics of motivation to my best effect by looking for ways to create that environment. I believe, and I am passionate about this, I believe this with all my heart because I see it every place I go, that people come to work every day, and I, by people I mean just about everybody, and if they're not coming to work this way, there's something else going on. The people come to work every day just wanting to do their best, to do well at something they enjoy and feel good about doing, so that when they leave, at the end of the day, they can look back and say, hey, I did this. I can feel good about what I did today and the contribution I made and how I felt about myself doing that and then be appreciated for doing it. It's really just that simple. When we really, really get down to it and creating this motivated, highly involved workplace, our challenge as leaders and our challenge whether we're leading a small group of work or if we are leading a department or a whole industry or if we're just a individual contributor in our workplace. That's, this doesn't mean it's somebody else's responsibility to do it because an empowered person will look around his or her workplace and they'll say, you know, how can I make this a motivating, a highly, highly motivated workplace? How can I help others release this creative energy they have to do something well today? How can I be a part of that and contribute to that? How can I help make that happen? You see, we don't have to convince people to be motivated. We just have to allow them to do it. We don't have to convince people to be motivated. We just have to allow them to do it. Motivation is this incredibly powerful force that's available to us naturally if we create the environments in which it can manifest. It's there already, just waiting to be used. Isn't that exciting to know that? I don't have to motivate anybody. They're already motivated. All I have to do is create the environment where that motivation, where they can happen and they can be lifted up. Well, once again, I want to thank you for listening. Don't miss out on future episodes of The Spirit of Leading. You can subscribe to my blog at empoweredtolead.com and you'll get notification in your email when a new, new podcast is available. You can also listen and subscribe in on iTunes Podcasts and on Stitcher. So I invite you to go forth in the spirit of leading, to live each and every day by encouraging the spirit, enlivening the heart, enlightening the mind, and enlarging the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters, and in the spirit of leading, live empowered.